Hello, welcome to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On and you'll get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. So, um, apologize for the last few days of not having episodes. We're going to have one today, of course. We'll have one on Thursday, then we'll have one on Friday. Um, and then I think for the rest of the month, it looks like the week after for Christmas week, we'll have three episodes. And then for New Year's Eve week, we'll have three episodes. And then I think we're going to be back, going back to full time starting in January. Um, if Angel ever comes to this agreement with the PA, because it looks like it's going to come at the end of the week. Pierre Lebrun had a tweet. I um, is today, I think it was on Monday. Yeah. On the 14th, he said the PA in the league went nonstop all weekend. It continue to go back and forth on season protocols, transition rules, critical dates. The hope is to have it wrapped up over the next few days to set up a vote on each side by the end of the week but as we saw in june these things can drag so it's already been two days i mean their hope is maybe to have it done by tomorrow friday have a vote in by the weekend or something i guess that's what they want but you know we'll see as pierre lebrun said i mean these things can drag on so it looks like we're getting closer to the start of hockey january 13th is still the date that everyone is circling about what 28 days away now um 56 game season it's probably going to be a bunch of back-to-backs i think it's going to be um, we've already talked about this as well. All divisional games, which is just probably going to bore me to pieces. Just because, you know, Penguins fans, you know, they can't even handle four games against the Flyers or four games against the Capitals. Now you got to have seven to eight of them against those teams and the Islanders and the Rangers and the Bruins. So it's going to be something else uh, for this season. But um, for this first segment, we are going to talk about an interesting article that I came across yesterday from um, Mike DeFabo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He talked to Jim Rutherford about um, and he basically explained to Mike why he didn't mess with the Penguins quarter in the offseason. I mean, I think the obvious answer was because, you know, you probably would be fired or, you know, I would fire him if he did. But we're going to touch on that. And then in the second segment, we are going to continue the season reviews. We're actually getting close to being done. Uh, today's will be Sidney Crosby's. Uh, Thursday, we will have Brandon Tanev. And then on Friday, we will do Zach Aston Reese's. So we're just getting to the bottom six now. Um, Sid was just, of course, magnificent this season, even in 41 games. But we'll touch on that in the next segment. So um, this article, I, I really did like it from Mike DeFabo. It was a really good interview with Jim. Um, he basically said, you know, why I didn't trade them. They're future Hall of Famers. They've had great success in Pittsburgh. They still have a lot of good hockey in them. Um, he also said about Sid, he's still the best player in the league. When you look at his overall game, a lot of people just look at points. All the player gets 100 points. Or they're in the top 10 in scoring. They identify them as the top players, but I don't see anybody playing the all-around game and bringing what Sid brings game in and game out. I, I will say, you know, for as much as I like to shit on Jim Rutherford and a lot of the fan base does too, and rightfully so with some of the moves that he made this offseason, I do got to agree there with him. Um, I still think Sidney Crosby is the best all-around hockey player in the league. Um, I know Connor McDavid is up there. I mean, it, it's honestly 1A, 1B with both of those guys. I think right now, offensively, I'd give the nod to McDavid. But, you know, when you look at both of their all-around games, I mean, I would take Sid. It wouldn't be in a heartbeat over Connor, but I would still take him just because I think he's more defensively responsible. I mean, you've been seeing Sid plays top 10 in the Selkie voting for the last few years. I mean, his defensive game has just really come around strong these last few years. I mean, I think he finished top five in the Selkie one of these years. So a lot of people have been putting him in the Selkie Trophy finalist. I don't know if he'll ever get to be a Selkie Trophy finalist from the PHWA, but you know, if he does, you know, it would be very well earned. But you know, I do got to give it to Jim with that. I think that's a great comment about Sid. 
Um, he also talked about Gino. He said, I'd like to see him carry over what he did last year. He came in determined. He was in good shape. He looked really good. Again, that's nothing out of the ordinary. Gino was their best player, I thought, last year. I mean, especially when Sid went down. We talked about that in the season review. I mean, he was just carrying the Penguins on his back. Um, it was even better than his 2017-18 season, where I think he had just about 100 points that season. I mean, I, I, I thought he should have been a Hart Trophy finalist that year. But I guess, you know, the PHWA had other ideas. And then, you know, talking about Latang, he said, I think it's more about playing him in the right number of minutes in the right situations. It's hard for a coach when you're looking down your bench in important parts of the game to bypass Chris. Then at the end of the night, you look and you say he played 27 to 20 minutes and that continues game after game after game. He also said with Dumo, com Dumo coming back and healthy and being able to play with Tanger, we know Tanger will be ready to play. He takes care, good care of himself. He wants to win. I expect him to continue to play at a high level for a few more years. I mean, I am definitely pretty excited to see how Todd Reardon can fine-tune Latang's game a bit more. I mean, we all know he's the best defenseman on the team. I think he's a top-ten defenseman in the league. When he's really on his game, I wouldn't say there's not five defensemen that are better than him. I've had that take, honestly, for as long as I can remember. And hopefully Dumoulin is not going to be hurt next season because, you know, just when Dumoulin went down, you could just see Chris Letang's level of play go down as well. They just, they feed off each other so well. I mean, I think it's one of the five best top pairings in hockey. You can honestly make the case that it's the best top pairing in hockey. I'm dead serious about that, too. I really, you look at the underlying numbers, you look at how good Chris Letang is in the offensive zone, his zone entries per 60 minutes, his 5v5 points per 60, um, the way he plays on the power play and then you look at Brian Dumoulin's impact in the defensive zone the way he suppresses shots at an elite rate um, the way you know the zone entries per 60 allowed against I mean he's pretty high up there and they, they just they're so good together and hopefully they can be on the ice together for every game before however long this season will be 56 games if it's 60 or something like that although I think it looks like it's going to be 56 games so and you know, this all comes back to my original point when we first started this offseason you know um Jim Rutherford definitely did make some mistakes, but going into it, it was like, just don't be stupid and trade a core player. You don't need to trade someone like Jake Ensel. I know they did trade Patrick Plunkwist, but like, is he like a core player for the Penguins? I mean, some of you, you could definitely argue it, but I could also argue against it because he was only here since 2014-15. Um, I wouldn't say he was a core player. Um, I think the core players for the Penguins, you know, the big three, Jake Gensel, um, I would even put Brian Dumoulin in there, John Marino, I would even put in, well, I think it's a little too early to call him a core player, but he's going to get to that point, and then, you know, one of the goalies, obviously, but, you know, the, the big three are obviously untouchable, and, you know, if they were to trade one of them, I mean, you would just be virtually signaling to everyone across the league that, oh, we're rebuilding. I mean, we're just not even going to try going into the season. I mean, that's almost what Chicago did. Even though they didn't trade any of their core players, they basically said, yeah, you know, we're going to throw in the white towel almost for this season. I mean, Stan Bowman, I think the president also talked to Mark Lazarus of the Athletic, and we're going to talk about the Blackhawks later in this episode when we go around the league. But, you know, they basically said, you know, we know we have our core players, but we got we want to get younger, we want to get faster, we want to give them the last few good years, but we're still going to rebuild. And obviously, you know, the core players did not take too kindly to that. You know, you saw what Jonathan Tabe said. I think Patrick Kane had some comments as well. But, you know, I'm definitely, I'm just, I'm glad Jim Rutherford didn't do that for all of his stupidity. Um, I'm just glad that that did not happen. But also going away from that point, right before we do get to our first commercial break, there was an interesting tweet from Frank Saravelli. He says, 
as the league and the PA work tirelessly on protocol and the logistics, I'm hearing the league has designed a three uh, night double header. Well, three night double header, a three game double. I mean, a three game triple header. I just cannot speak today. Wow, it has been since Friday since I've done this podcast, so I apologize. So basically, a triple header for opening night on the 13th, um, if possible, set around the Bolts raising their banner for versus Chicago potentially, with also a big Eastern Conference clash, the Rangers versus Boston perhaps, and then a marquee Western uh, Conference matchup late with Colorado versus St. Louis potentially. Question is, can they pull it off on January 13th? He then says, of course, all details and matchups and teams are subject to change. The answer is neither side truly knows whether they can get everything done in time for the 13th. That's the target, but they aren't beholden to the date. Could be a week later. They are trying. Uh, my thoughts on that triple header. It's a great idea, but like Rangers, Bruins, I mean, is that what everyone wants to see? I mean, the Rangers are a good up-and-coming team, but I mean, they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year. But I mean, I would honestly maybe just do. I remember what they did for opening day um, after the lockout ended. You know, they did Penguins Flyers, you know. I would be down to do that. You can do Penguins Capitals for the big marquee Eastern Conference matchup. I mean, maybe Bruins Montreal. I just think Bruins New York is just kind of a bit meh. I mean, maybe Islanders Capitals. I mean, there's other rivalries in the East you could do. And for the Western Conference uh, matchup, I mean, Colorado St. Louis. How about Colorado Vegas? I mean, those are the two best teams in the conference, I think, going into this season. Everyone would stay up to watch that. I mean, obviously, Tampa Bay raising the banner would draw a lot of viewers. But, I mean, them playing Chicago, I would personally choose a different opponent for Tampa Bay, make it like a marquee East team or a good team from the West. I think Chicago, I mean, I get it for ratings-wise, but, I mean, they're rebuilding this year, and they're not going to be good. So, I really, I mean, outside of ratings, I don't really know why you would put Chicago in there. But, I mean, I guess I can see it just for that reason. But, you know, it's good that they're uh, thinking out of a triple header for opening night. I would assume it would be on NBC Sports Network. Um, there was rumors, I think I saw from the Sports Business Journal over the weekend, that there may be a, the next TV deal maybe with NBC and Fox, and it, the Stanley Cup final would alternate be, uh, between the two networks every year of the year. That would be absolutely awesome. You know, I think Fox could definitely pull some really big analysts, you know, away from other networks. And I would still love if ESPN got some of the rights as well and maybe got like a week weekday uh, night game. I think that would be awesome too. So maybe split between three different networks, you know, as is basically baseball is, you know, with their playoffs, you know, they're shown on TBS, they have Fox, they have ESPN, they have a whole bunch of stuff that they do for their stuff. But, you know, before we do get to our next segment, it is time to talk about Bill Bar. That's 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, the caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, lemon, almond, cheesecake, apple, almond, crisp. We stole the 12 original flavors, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, so much more. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. One of my favorite flavors is still the cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs. There's an offering good BuiltBar.com and use promo code locked on and you get 20% off your next order. That is promo code locked on for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, guys, let's go through Sid's season in review. Obviously, it was cut short due to injuries, but he still had, you know, nine goals, total assists, 18. I mean, 41 games, 600 minutes overall. I mean, if you look at his underlying numbers, he was still great, 53% possession-wise. Um, his goals for, goals against. Only 30 to 30, but, you know, it, you look at a full sample size like the year before, 82 to 43. I mean, 
2016, 17, 62, 44, 62, 43, and 2015, 16, it's obviously going to be much better over a full um, 82 game sample. I mean, looking at more of his underlying numbers, um, his scoring chances for scoring chances against 300 to 295. Again, you know, I'm just going to keep saying it over full game, over full 82 game sample, it's going to be a lot higher. 653 to 510 the year before. Um, in 2017, 18, 705 to 587. He's always on the positive side just because he's the best player in the world. Um, his expected. Um, Goals percentage, 51.4%. is high danger, 123 for 120 against, 293 for 207 the year before. His high danger chances for 50%. His high danger goals for this season, 20 to 16. Um, his high danger goals for percentage, 55.5%. That's still um, a bit lower than last year, but it's a lot better than his 2017-18 season when it was only 50%. I mean, this guy, his lowest one for his career, I think is like, 46.1% and that came in 2008-2009 in one of the prime years of his career so you know basically what to take away from this I mean half a season for him but he's still one of the best players in the world drives play at an elite level um, it also sucks that he didn't have Gensel for a lot of the second half of the season when he did come back um, it just was not the same for him and now that Gensel will be healthy for a full 56 games, uh, if that indeed is the schedule you know he'll look a lot better he'll put more points on the board and he'll look like the Vincent Sidney Crosby that we saw the year before where he was just tearing it up. So I'm not worried about Sidney Crosby. Obviously, the decline is going to come sooner rather than later for him. The decline comes for every player sooner rather than later. It's going to come for Evgeny Malkin. It's going to come for Chris Letang. It's going to come for every elite player in this league. You know, you look at Patrice Bergeron at some point. He's been around the league for a long time. You know, you look at Jonathan Taves. The decline has basically already started. Patrick Kane, he's still doing his thing. But I would imagine the decline for him is coming soon too. But, you know, I still expect for this season, if it's a 56-game year, I'm still going to expect maybe 80 to 90 points from Sid. I don't really think that's too unrealistic just for how good he still is. I don't think he's going to hit a 100-point season for this one. I don't know if he'll ever hit 100 points again. I wouldn't put it past him just because of how great he is, how he's one of the five best players of all time for this sport. Um, but right now, guys, I'm thinking 80 to 90 points, but probably in the middle, but 80 to 85. For how many goals for him? I'd say 30, you know, maybe 50 assists. I think that's probably a good ratio for him. I don't think he's going to be a 40 goal scorer next season. I, I would be, I would love it, but I would be pretty surprised. Um, if he wasn't, honestly, guys, I would be surprised if we had any 40 goal scorers in the league next year outside of Alex Ovechkin, um, just because he'll score 40 goals in two games if he has to, because he's the greatest goal scorer of all time. But I think that's really it on Sid. I mean, obviously, he's going to get a lot of power play time. He missed a lot of that when he was out with his hernia injury. He also didn't look right in the playoffs. I mean, he obviously had a goal for the Penguins in that uh, four-game loss to the Montreal Canadiens. But, you know, it looked like something was bothering him. And we obviously saw, I think he was missing parts of training camp due to an undisclosed ailment. I mean, it was... I think it was written by a few outlets that his hernia was kind of bothering him again. Now that he's had almost a full off season to get that um, taken care of, hopefully he comes back 100%. I'm sure he is. And, you know, he had that uh, heartfelt message to all Penguins fans with the uh, happy holidays uh, gesture. And, you know, he's still rocking the playoff beard, so I don't know when he's going to shave that. But, um, you know, maybe he'll just keep it for the whole season just going into um, the playoffs next May or June. And then they, we can just get Sidney Crosby looking like a, basically a Wolverine guy. So... That would be pretty funny, though pretty unlikely, I would say, that that would happen. But next up for the season reviews, on Thursday we will do Brandon Tanev. I mean, he, wow, he, he uh, made me eat a lot of crow this past season with his very strong 
uh, shot suppressing numbers. I know his offensive game has not come around yet, but you know we're going to touch on that in tomorrow's episode. And then on Friday, we will touch on Zach Aston Reese, and even though he will be out for a portion of this next season, maybe it would be about a month, maybe two into March, um, he still put in a very strong performance for the Penguins, I thought, this past season especially in the defensive zone. And then next week we will get into Teddy Bluger before we get into some of the other guys, you know, like Sam Lafferty, who is probably going to make the team and a couple others as well. So we're getting close to the end of the season reviews for the Penguins players. We've done basically all the top six players now, done basically all the, the defensemen, though we still though we still need to do Tristan Jari. That'll be coming up as well as he's going to be the starting goaltender going into next season for the Penguins. So, you know, get excited, guys. We're about four weeks away now. I'm, I'm just ready for hockey to come back so I can start talking about this team overall with you guys and just get back to talking every day. Um, about the team with you all and just bringing on more guests just because, you know, this offseason has just been going on, it looks like, for forever now, basically. But coming up in the next segment, we're going to go around the league a little bit, talk about some stuff that, you know, could relate to the Penguins, such as Stan Bowman somehow getting a promotion in Chicago. We're going to talk about if that, the Penguins could do that for Jim Rutherford at some point, um, if they decide to move him from the GM duties to, like, the president of hockey operations and just that title and then give the GM position to someone else. We're going to touch on that after this commercial break and a lot more, so stay with us. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So in a very surprising move today, I mean, the Blackhawks, they kind of just reshuffled their front office, I guess, and they kind of promoted Stan Bowman to president of hockey operations as well as general manager. Um, let's just say the Blackhawks fans were not too pleased about that, especially with the moves that he's made over the last few years. I mean, the guy freaking traded Artemi Panarin. Artemi Panarin, Artemi Panarin, excuse me. That's pathetic that I mispronounced that last name. Um, he also traded Brandon Saad for a bag of peanuts. I mean, a Tevo Teravainen trade is also terrible. I mean, I think they had to basically move Brian Bickle, I think, just because of their salary cap situation a few years ago. They were in cap hell for a lot of years just because Stan Bowman was just loyal to some players that he should not have been loyal to. I mean, this, the Brent Seabrook contract is looking more and more awful every day you look at it i think he's making like over eight million per and he barely plays now and his level of play just stinks too so that contract's bad i mean duncan keith makes a lot of money but he's still pretty decent i mean that jonathan taves contract i think is going to start looking worse and worse too just because i think his level of play is starting to diminish as well and the blackhawks uh their ownership were basically like you know what we're going to give you a promotion just for all that work that you've done and um you know if the penguins ever do that with jim rutherford uh god help me god help the penguins fan base as well that would just be like a total slap in the face if like Mario and Ron Burkle and David Morehouse were like, oh yeah, let's just promote Jim Rutherford to like president of hockey operations and give, even though he's done a really bad job as general manager, like just let him retire after he's done. I mean, they're obviously probably not going to fire him just because he's brought the franchise to Stanley Cups, though that is past history. This is the now and he's just not been a good general manager the last few years. But, you know, the reality of the situation, guys, they're just not going to fire him because that's just not who Mario and Ron are. And besides, you know, the Penguins organization has some other um, issues to worry about, um, especially with the ownership when it comes to um, Clark Donatelli's, the, the uh, allegations against him and how, you know, the organization kind of said, or Billy Aaron, I think, basically said, you know, just to forget it or whatever. It did not paint the Penguins organization in a good light. I mean, it, it honestly painted them as a shallow organization. So um, that's really all I'm going to say about that. I know it was last week's news, but I didn't really get a chance to talk about it on the podcast. Just, you know, it's... It's a bad look. That's all I'm going to say. It's just the story that I read, you know, and please go read it. I think it's on TSN from um, Rick Westhead, I think is the one who wrote it. 
Um, it was just a, a lot of the stuff in there. It, it's real hard to read, but it's a necessary read just because, you know, it's people need, I think a lot more people need to start taking that stuff um, more seriously. And like I said, you know, it painted the Penguins in a bad light there. But moving on to some other stuff around the league. It looks like there's been some, a lot of Vegas trade rumors. Max Pacioretty's name has been brought up a lot in the last week. Apparently, I think Dan Kongerski of Pittsburgh Hockey Now, I mean, say what you will about his um, sources or whatever. Um, he did say that the Penguins are linked to it. I mean, if that is indeed true, um, I would move heaven and hell to go get him. I mean, you have one of the last few years in the Sidney Crosby getting Malkin era when they're in their prime of their careers. Move out whatever it takes to get them. I mean, obviously not someone like John Marino or some shit like that. But, you know, if you have to eat some salary, you have to eat some salary. I mean, Vegas is definitely going to have to do that just because I think Pacioretty makes $7 million against the cap for however many years. He's a great player. I wouldn't say he's an elite player, but he's still a great player. Um, would instantly make the Penguins top six that much more awesome. You can probably put him next to Crosby with Gensel, and that would afford moving Kapanen down to play with Jared McCann. Um, I would love if Jim Rutherford did it. I don't expect him to do it, but, you know, I think it would be kind of a peak Jim Rutherford move if he actually was able to pull that off just because, you know, I do think the Penguins are lacking another elite winger. And, I mean, you know, just picture this top six. You know, Jake Gensel next to Sid and Max Pacioretty and then Jason Zucker next to Gino and Brian Rust. I mean, that's just not fair. You can move Jared McCann with Kasperi Kapanen and then on his left wing. You can put, I mean, Mark Jankowski. I mean, in the fourth line, you can have Brandon Tanev, Zach Aston Reese, Teddy Bluger. I mean, that is a elite forward group, in my opinion. You have one of the best fourth lines in the league, a outstanding top six, and then a third line that is better. Well, I should say a hell of a lot better this season um, than last season when it was just three players who just really did not know how to play together. So I would absolutely love that. And I don't really think there's too much more else to touch on. I mean, I did see the Penguins released a video yesterday of a lot of the players back on the ice just doing skates. I mean, I think Gensel's back. Uh, Dumoulin is back. It looks like KDC to Smith is there. Tristan Jari. I'm honestly just watching the video as I record this. Um, I think Sid is there. Um, the only player I know I did not see was Evgeny Malkin. It looks like Brian Rust is back. Jared McCann is back in Pittsburgh. I think the last one was Chad Ruido, though I'm not sure. Though I know the only player that's not back in Pittsburgh is Evgeny Malkin because he's back in Russia. So I'm sure he's going to be coming back there in the next couple of weeks. But that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode, and then Friday, of course, and then three more next week as well. So stay tuned for that. Hope you all have a w wonderful rest of your evening. Um, definitely snowed here and a bunch of slop and ice and rain and all that so you know it definitely feels like we're in hockey season even though it's the season's not underway yet so thank you guys so much for listening and i will talk to you all tomorrow